Welcome to College App 101. I'm your host, Dr. Riley. Succeeding in high school is challenging, and applying to college is overwhelming. I hope my comments here ease the tension you may feel. It'll benefit you to think like a college admissions counselor. She's the lady who will read your application to Thomas Aquinas College or Dillard. He's the guy who will handle your application to Biola or Washington University in St. Louis. I've worked with many such professionals. They're great people and committed to helping you apply to their school. The classic American novel, The Pathfinder, written by James Fenimore Cooper, opens with these words. The sublimity associated with vastness is familiar to every eye. The sublimity associated with vastness is familiar to every eye. Vastness is a characteristic of Ohio State that struck me early in my undergraduate days there. Everything was bigger, considerably so, than my small Ohio hometown. For example, the tallest building in the entirety of my home county was five stories. I lived on the sixth floor of my freshman dorm, and there were, there were several stories above me. The Ohio Stadium, perhaps the most famous icon on campus, The Ohio Stadium could fit the entire population of my hometown several times over. Now, don't misunderstand me. I didn't live under a rock before Ohio State. My mom and dad had taken me to cities and places much larger than Columbus, Ohio. It's just that living on a vast, urban, public university campus was new. Not downtown Columbus, but the city skyline is so close that it's visible from the top floors of several Ohio State buildings. I mentioned my freshman year dorm, which was physically on campus. During my undergraduate years, on-campus housing was home for most of my bachelor's degree. By that, I mean I lived in the 43210 zip code, the Ohio State zip code. At the time, there was a huge student population that resided in the student dorms. Maybe 10,000 students, 15,000 students, there were many. But now, having worked on many college campuses as a professor... I see the most arresting part of Ohio State housing was housing immediately off campus. Those neighborhoods were a honeycomb of residences that bordered the campus. City block upon city block upon city block of student residences. Converted grand Victorian houses, apartment buildings, duplexes, townhouses, individual homes, sorority and fraternity houses— And as the sun rose on Columbus every school day, a cascade of students from these surrounding neighborhoods poured onto campus. On weekend nights, principally Friday and Saturday, but also Thursday night, the pre-weekend, crowds of people would gather in these neighborhoods as part of Ohio State's party scene, in the homes, loitering on the yards and sidewalks. Here again, I'd been to parties in high school, but not like this. For one academic year, This off-campus mecca was my home. These neighborhoods in parts of Ohio State that I'm describing are divided roughly into four parts of campus, north, south, east, and west campuses. It's fastest to get from one part to another by car, bus, or bike. If you walk, as I did mostly, you'll burn a lot of calories and work up a sweat because the distance is great. I live with three friends on a main thoroughfare in the heart of North Campus. We were four bachelors. Well, I should say four bachelors and some cockroaches. They live with us too. 
until we discovered the effectiveness of boric acid in extermination. Our house was a duplex, and at least part of the time, a signature couch was on the front porch facing the street. Our landlord occupied the other half with his wife and kids. I estimate the building itself had been built around the beginning of the 20th century, before deep closets became standard. My room had a closet, but it was maybe 12 inches deep, too shallow for a horizontal bar to hang clothes. So I suspended my hangers from nails. The effect of this was whenever I opened the closet door, my clothes were facing me. Back to my roommates. Despite the messier conditions that often characterize the living space of unmarried young men, it was a harmonious year. And as a money-conscious student, the cherry on top, at least as far as I was concerned, was the price. My cut of the rent was the lowest, given that the smallest bedroom was mine. I paid $250 a month in today's money, which was and is very low. Other than yours truly, only one of my roommates was an undergraduate. One was a graduate student in optometry. The last of my roommates, a recent graduate, was working full-time. I could tell stories about each of them, and each one was an extremely positive influence on me. But it's the fellow undergraduate that's most relevant right now. At the time, I was an underclassman. He was an upperclassman. In many ways, our relationship could be characterized as older brother, younger brother. I looked up to and admired him. He seemed to have the Midas touch. He was a devoted friend who understood good, clean fun. He was musical, athletic. Few people outworked him on the basketball court. He cared a lot about matters of personal integrity and character. He was funny. I observed him interact with the opposite sex, and they liked him. Before his very beautiful girlfriend became his very beautiful girlfriend, I had an undisclosed crush on her, and he got her. That won him points in my eyes. Academically, as an engineering major, he operated with laser focus. He inspired my own academics. A minute ago, I said I occupied the smallest room in the house. He had the largest. The typical college guy's furniture was there. Bed, sitting chair with lamp, rug, guitar on stand. But I associate him most with his fairly substantial wooden desk positioned in the corner because he always sat there with his nose in the books. And for his task lists, his to-do lists, he would take sheets of paper, cut them in fourths, and handwrite with tiny lettering all the things he had to do. He used this tactic to master priorities. College-bound students, it would behoove you to emulate my roommate and operate with laser focus in your academics, because your academics shape the most important part of your college applications your GPA, your grade point average. A few questions for you. Do you know your GPA? You need to. Knowing your GPA is the first step towards strategizing for the highest GPA. Another question. Do you know how your GPA compares with other students in your grade at school? The higher your GPA, the higher your rank in your class. This information matters in college admissions. Your school guidance counselor, registrar, or transcript should have answers to these questions. Another question, do you know how your school calculates your GPA? If you don't, it's time to get informed. Search on your school's website or profile page. Schools have academic handbooks. Look there. 
This may take some digging or a visit to your school's Office of Academic Guidance, but knowing this information is crucial for a high GPA. Once you know how your GPA is calculated, you're equipped to work toward the highest GPA. Generally speaking, the higher your grades, the higher your GPA. An all-A student has a higher GPA than an all-C student. Obviously, you should aim for the best grades. Habit 3 in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is put first things first. Put first things first. Most basically, put first things first addresses priorities. When you know your priorities, then you know when and why you accomplish certain things first. You know the tasks, habits, and activities to avoid. How should the college-bound high school student apply this principle to the GPA? Your priority should be classes with the greatest GPA impact. For example, some high schools award GPA points only for core courses, science, history, English, math. Therefore, if it's Thursday evening and you have two competing priorities due on Friday, like an algebra test and a project due in art class, then prioritize algebra, GPA impact, over art, no GPA impact. Ideally, you'll perform well on both, but when academic priorities compete, put first things first dictates you invest the most time in the academic pursuit that yields the highest GPA dividends. Put first things first also applies to the specific courses in your schedule. Some schools use a weighted GPA scale, which means certain courses, like honors level courses, have more GPA points than other courses. A student who aims for a high GPA will prioritize such courses. Following the steps set forth here takes, takes time and energy, but the academic honor and financial dividends in the form of college merit scholarships that accompany a high GPA are worth it. I don't know if my Ohio State roommate ever read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and as principal put first things first. But he embodied it, and he was really good at working first before having fun. In time, I too learned to put first things first. And to this day, there's a stack of quarter sheets of paper on my desk. I use them to list my tasks and identify priorities. College-bound students, you need something similar, whether physical or digital. Once you have your list with, say, four or five things on it, write a number next to each item. Write one next to the first thing you'll do, two next to the second thing, etc., in order of priority. One last bit of advice. When you come across equal priorities, equal priorities, like a science class lab report and an English paper, prioritize the undesirable task. When you dislike it, do it first, because when you accomplish that task, you'll enjoy an emotional psychological boost knowing it's done, which is wind in your sails for everything else. If you've enjoyed this and other College App 101 podcasts, please share them through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or my website. Until next time, I'm Dr. Riley, your pre-college advisor and independent educational consultant. For more information about succeeding in high school and college apps, visit my website, collegeapp101.com. That's college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, app, A-P-P, 101.com.